Welcome to episode 91 of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Tuesday, April 20th. Haha, 420. Let's go. Um, We are going to be talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode 5 today. And as always for that, I will be joined by my good friend Peter Gonzalez. Peter, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to break down this episode. Yeah, uh, obviously a huge episode. I believe it was around 58 minutes in length. And um, it was the penultimate episode, so we only have one episode left. I like using the word penultimate. Um, And I would imagine, we haven't heard anything yet, but I would imagine that the finale will be similar in length, if not maybe a little longer. Um, But let's just get into this episode. Episode 5, I believe the title was called Truth, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so the show's going to open up basically right where we left off in episode 4, obviously with... uh, John Walker decapitating a flag smasher with his shield. So he's running away from that scene and he's going into some warehouse. And he's, this dude's having like a mental freak out, PTSD, something like that. He's having a conversation with Lamar, who is obviously not there. And you made a good point. He's he's beginning to justify his actions for what he just did in his head. He falls to his knees. I mean, the shield is still just absolutely dripping in blood, Peter. And then he pops up kind of and says, time to go to work. Uh, Obviously, a lot's about to happen. But what did you think of that little John Walker open? I thought it was a great way to start the episode because it really pulls us right back where we left and kind of shows where his headspace is at. Because we Mm -hmm. can gather what everyone else in the world is thinking when they're watching him do this unspeakable act. But then to see him go through and like you said have this PTSD and have this conversation, which echoes the one he had had in the previous episode with Lamar. And just kind of justifying, beginning to justify what he's done. And because, again, he's the good soldier. He's, like, making his mm-hmm. calls, and he knows what he's doing. But clearly, something has gone wrong. Yeah, to me, it just seems like the combination of, obviously, of PTSD, the pressure of being Captain America, and then now with the, the super soldier serum in him, it's just magnifying. I mean, like, what it does, it magnifies, like, the, your traits, like, Obviously, Steve Rogers was very good. Red School is the example of very bad. And so John Walker is kind of all his insecurities, I guess, are being like super, superized. That's what I'll go with that. So let's go. Uh, now we have Sam and Bucky are showing up. This is what we saw in the trailer coming up before the episode. Walker, like we're just saying, he's trying to justify his actions. He tells them that that dude killed Lamar. What was he supposed to do? Bucky immediately corrects him. <laughs> that didn't. That dude did not kill Lamar. You know that. And he warns Walker about going down this path. Obviously, Bucky has gone down that path, not willingly, but under my control as the Winter Soldier. Walker quickly says that he is nothing like Bucky. And then you get Falcon trying to reason with him. The, the great, what we saw last episode with Carly, him trying to reason. Obviously, this harkens back to Captain America, the Winter Soldier, of him dealing with soldiers who have just come home from service, dealing with PTSD, stuff like that. So we see that from Sam. And it's not really working. It's not working on John Walker. It's just kind of going in one year, out the other. He tells him that they don't want anyone else to get hurt. He tells him to give him the shield. And Walker tells him, you don't want to do this. A little smug look comes about him. And Bucky says, yes, that they do want to do this. And the fight breaks out. What would you think of that, uh, that scene right there before we get into the fight, Peter? I think I'm going to attack it backwards because that's that moment when Bucky's like, yeah, we do. It was like, I feel like that would have been a stat, like a cheer in the theater oh, yeah. type, of, type of situation where you just, you've been waiting for this, this entire, granted it's only four episodes, but still you've been waiting for this moment yep. to get here. And I thought that was so perfect. I like how you mentioned that does. It does show again, 
Sam's strengths about trying to talk to someone, trying to get through to them on the level that he knows he can. But again, this guy's already, I think, more far gone than Carly is, which is saying something because she's pretty far down the rabbit hole. So I feel mm-hmm. like it really is just continuing. It was a perfect build up to this fight that we're about to talk about. Yeah. And the fight breaks out. And I mean, my first note I have is Walker is a force. He is because he obviously has all this military experience. And throughout this series, yes, we've seen him get his ass kicked a little, but we've also seen that he is pretty formidable. And now when you combine that with the super soldier serum and his rage, because I would say another thing that gives Walker the advantage in this uh, fight, Peter, is that Bucky and Falcon are fighting to just get the shield and subdue Walker, I would say. Walker's fighting to kill them. Isn't that what the vibe you got of, like, the advantage he has? Yeah, and again, he has the advantage, too, that they are not yet fully a cohesive team. Mm -hmm. I don't think we will get to see them fight as a team until the final episode because they they did fight well. But again, it is still two separate individuals Mm -hmm. fighting. Great point. Um, and another thing that I thought was very interesting was when Bucky and Walker are fighting, he's like screaming at Bucky, why are you making me do this? Which is like uh, Marley pointed this out. It's just like a classic, uh, like if you're like an abusive person or something, yeah. that's what you say. Um, and so we see that. Um, he's trying one, to justify himself. Yeah, again. He's, again. And um, throughout this fight, he's going to try to kill Sam with the shield multiple times. And the other thing I noticed through this fight, and it's kind of, he will not let go of this shield. It is like, you know, Steve Rogers in Avengers Endgame when his arm's all messed up and all the Avengers aren't there and he tightens that shield because he won't let go. I think Walker's maybe holding on more because this dude does not want to let go of this thing. It means, it obviously, obviously means a lot to him in some sort of way. Um and so what did you think about that aspect of Walker's just, I guess, dependence almost on the shield, do you think? Yeah, because, again, he is clinging so much of his identity to this persona that he's created that he is Captain America. I mean, he says that in the battle to Sam. He's like, I am Captain America. Yep. Again, the things that Steve never did. Steve, or, Steve in the fights was never like, I'm Captain America, because that just sounds stupid. It's like, mm-hmm. why are you reminding people of who you are? It's not what you say. It's your actions to prove that you're Captain America, so. And, Peter, we I think we were texting about this, but obviously listeners were not texting with us, but uh, who <laughs> has Steve Rogers in the MCU ever introduced himself as Captain America? I don't think he has. No. Unless I you're going like... to just count, like, when he was on stage in Captain America, the first Avenger, before he's, like, really Captain America, maybe. I don't that think there's any his. other time where he ever says that. He always says... Steve Rogers, like when he meets Groot in Infinity War. That's what I was thinking of right now. Yeah, <laughs> when it's in the middle of the battle, and he's like, "I'm Steve Rogers." He never says. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like the only other time, too, where Loki, is... Loki shapeshifts into Steve in, uh, I believe it's Dark World, and he says, "I'm Captain America" or something like that. But again, that's not him. So I think he never said that. Yeah, it's oh, there's another scene where he says Steve Rogers. Because it stands out, because again, that's what how he's always presented himself, which again speaks to the man behind the shield. Absolutely. Being so different than this man with, that's behind the shield currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, like you just mentioned, Walker uh, says, I'm Captain America. He's about to kill Sam. He rips off Sam's wings, breaks them, and then just before he basically tries to flag smash, to do exactly what he did to the flag smasher to Sam, Bucky jumps in, stops him, and then Bucky and Sam together 
rip the shield from Walker, and we mentioned how hard he was holding on to it. Well, really damn hard because it breaks his arm, um, and he's still not done. He comes at them again, and then in a cool, like, I guess, Bucky essentially picks up Walker like he is a baseball bat, and Falcon flies in as with the shield as the ball, and they just knock him the hell out, which was, uh, I thought, one of the first instances, Peter, we see them working very cohesively together as a like one of the first like moments i guess that that looks really good um and then a very powerful scene before the opening credits roll bucky drops that shield right next to sam and he walks out sam picks it up and slowly begins to wipe the blood off it you can see that sam is pretty messed up by this he's pretty sad to see that the shield has come this way and i i'd be remiss if i didn't mention the, that the way bucky drops the shield next to sam and walks out is so freaking similar to the way Steve dropped the shield and left it with Tony in Civil War. Obviously different things going on in the background of that, but did remind me of that. What do you think? That's a great, I didn't think about that, but that's a great parallel. I feel like this episode had a lot of those parallels, as we've mm-hmm. been saying, but I feel like it, further on, there's things that just echo back so well in the way that Marvel tells their stories, whether it's the narrative or the cinematography, just the littlest things will echo back. And just to have... Because, again, it's, it does look cool to see Bucky holding the shield, but he knows it's not his. It's it's meant for Sam. So he basically says, once again, here's the shield. Make mm-hmm. the right call. Absolutely. And all that stuff happens before the even the opening <laughs> credits roll. So uh, let's get into that. All right. So after the opening credits, we get Sam and Torres talking, and we get a little information on what's been going on in the world since episode four. Uh, the GRC has been conducting raids to find Carly. Can't find her. They keep catching people who have supported her, stuff like that, but cannot find Carly. Um, we get mentioned from Torres about how big of a deal what happened with John Walker is, like how viral that went and how big that is in terms of an international incident. Um, we find out that higher ups are taking jurisdiction in dealing with Walker. Um, Sam takes the shield and goes on his way after talking with Torres, but he does leave the broken wings with Torres and says, keep them which is obviously a tease of Torres becoming the new Falcon in the comic books. He was actually like, he got experimented on. So he was like, kind of like part Falcon and it was really weird. I don't think they're going to do that in this kind of similar to how they did the vulture differently in Spider-Man. I think he will just be like the modern version of Falcon similar to like how uh, Sam had it, but I look forward to seeing him in future MCU projects, uh, potentially a season two of this, who knows? Um, what did you think about that little scene there? I know there's not that much, but... Um, again, it's hard to... Whenever the Flag Smashers come up, it's just... I feel like it slows down the storytelling a little bit. Like, I get oh, it. it does. But like, GRC, like, it, 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 it world builds. It's building the world out, and I get it. I understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think the most biggest takeaway was that Torres gets the wings. I, I'm, I'm curious to see if, he has a, if he's going to play another role in the finale. Because I feel like he's kind of, or if he's just, you know, this is kind of setting the ground similar to mm-hmm. how Darcy appeared in Thor and Thor 2 and then all of a sudden showed up in WandaVision. Or Monica Rambeau where it's like yeah. you have these characters, you're meeting them, and they're not going to pay off until later time. Which is yeah. cool, but I mean, it's interesting. I could see, wow, I just got something interesting came into my mind off that. So I could see two things happening with Torres. I could see him kind of being like the man in, like what's the man in the chair what ned says to peter like during this altercation for falcon like helping him or for sam captain america now and like telling him where to go and stuff but um 
And I could also see them maybe potentially teasing at the end of this series, him with the new wings. Because you know where I think he's 100% going to show up? Armor Wars. Armor Wars. 100 billion percent. Because he is in the military. He's going to have this new armor. Rhodey, obviously, all those things apply to him. So I think that would be really cool to see. Um, that would be really that would be really cool. I would love that. So now let's go to Washington, D.C., Peter. John Walker's trial, his meeting, his hearing, whatever's going on. Obviously getting some booze going in. Um, he is stripped of authority in the title of Captain America. The only reason he isn't in more trouble is because of his past service. He gets pretty pissed off. He tells the councils, I, here, Peter, I'm going to just, it's going to get, I might surprise you with this. Okay. He gets pissed, and he tells the council, basically, he lived his life by their mandates. They only ever did what they asked him. He was what they trained him to be. He did it and did it well. And you know what? After watching the MCU for 15 years and seeing people like Thunderbolt Ross and how the U.S. government works, in, or all the governments work, I kind of am siding with John Walker here. He, this is what they trained him to be. This is what they wanted. You, I, and they, this comes up later in the episode. None of them are bummed he killed a flag smasher, really. They're bad bummed at the optics, and I think that they trained him to be this killer, and then he did it, and they're throwing him out to dry. Obviously, I'm not saying he, John Walker is a good dude by any way, but I think this is just an example of, fuck these people. They're just going to use you, and yes, John Walker is kind of a D-bag, but I don't know. Fuck these senators. That's my take. What do you think of that? My brain is like processing. Like if you watch, if you watch this instead of listening to this, you see my brain processing yeah. in my face. But um, no, yeah, because yeah, I mean the Sokovia Accords. I mean, all of this has always been the government has been trying to do their thing and they on just, their terms. They just mess up every time, and they don't learn. And they don't learn, and then they just blame someone else. Like the fact that Thunderbolt Ross. The fact that that dude has any sort of power in the government, in the MCU, and is not in a prison cell for what he did in Hulk, creating the abomination. Like, it's insane the stuff these people are getting away with, and then they're going to do this. Like, I'm not saying John Walker is a good dude, but he is a product of what they – he is a product of what they created. They created him, and now they're throwing him out to dry because that's what people in suits do. They're losers. Screw the suits, Peter. Fight the power. Not a flag smasher, though. Not a flag smasher. <laughs> um, I was waiting for that. I was waiting. For that. Yeah. Uh, so, do you have any thoughts on that? Or, I mean, I think you. Uh, yeah, I think you kind of opened my perspective to that. And I think, again, he's doing what he was trained to do. This is what he. This is. But again, I think it's also tied into how his character is. I think that's also tied into this, which the super soldier amplified. Because, again, this could have been Steve. Steve could have gone this route, but that wasn't Steve's character. Like, Steve's character believed in what was right. I mean, he literally broke away to go save everyone in mm -hmm. the first Avenger. He did what was right instead yeah. of just being on stage. And what's so ironic about this is, like, the things that they're firing Walker for, like, because he's not being like Steve, quote-unquote, bruh, Steve was, like, on the run half the time he was back and alive. Like, the U.S. government... Or the all the, the Sokovia Accords, whatever. They did not get along with Captain America at all. And so they bring on somebody who they can just tell what to do, and they do this. I just think it's shady. Um, well, yeah, and it speaks even to WandaVision, too, what they did to Wanda to make her try to mm -hmm. reanimate Vision because they wanted a weapon. They wanted these... What they, they did to Monica. Control. Yeah. 
it's I think it's some BS. We'll see what uh how the GRC and that sort of stuff evolves forward in this phase of the MCU. But I, I would like to see that. Um so continuing on with John Walker, he gets another than an honorable discharge, no rank or benefits in retirement. Another good point. He says that they built him and he is Captain America. I do agree that they built him. I don't agree that he's Captain America. He walks off and they tell him to return the shield um, because he obviously does not have it. And then we go to Walker talking with his wife, fiance, one of the two. I don't think it's been specified. Um, He tells her how they don't know what it's like to be Captain America. And then she kind of changes the subject and is like, well, you need to go talk to Lamar's parents because um, they're obviously going through a very difficult time right now. And then the big cameo, Peter, Julie Louise Dreyfus shows up uh, from Seinfeld and obviously, I think Veep, some other things as well. Yeah, seven time Emmy winner or eight, seven yeah. or eight. Yeah. yeah, big, big time actress. Um, definitely. I, I would just before we even get she's going to play a role in the MCU in the future because I think she's just such a obviously a big time actress i don't think it's a one-off thing her name is contessa valentina allegra de fontaine i believe and she says just call her val or don't call her that um she's going to talk to john walker she basically says i would have killed the bastard too she says no one is mad in there that for killing him killing the flag smasher they wish he killed all of them but it's the optics of what the suits have to do um she also tells him that he did the right thing taking the serum how does she know that she says it made him very, very valuable to certain people. What people does that mean? Tells him to pick up the phone when she calls. Um, and she tells him again. <laughs> another thing, how did she know this? She she knows he doesn't have the shield and says the government doesn't really own it. It's a legal gray area. And then she leaves a card that is just black and white. Uh, little technical issues as we battle through this here on the pineapple couch. Um, Peter, first question. We'll go at this. I'm going to ask you some questions as we okay. break through this. Let's try and get some sort of idea who this person is, what her role will be going forward in the MCU. I think there's a couple options. Do you think she leads to the Thunderbolts? Or do you think she's the power broker? Do we think she's some sort of Dark Avengers Hydra? There's a lot of options here. So where do we think she's, she's going to be going? Let's start with the Thunderbolts. What I think is interesting, too, is that... So she's supposed to, from what I've seen online, appear in Black Widow. Mm-hmm. And so, which could lead to believe that um, Black Widow's sister could potentially be part of maybe Thunderbolts as well. Mm. Now, I feel like the power broker would be an interesting move because she just shows up out of nowhere and she's aware of all these things. But it feels like she's got more closer ties to what's going on in the U.S. as opposed to Madripoor. Yeah. So... Yeah, I don't know necessarily that she would be the power broker. Do you think there's any way she's working with Sharon? I want to say no. I feel, just from the vibe I get, I feel like her and Sharon would not gel. I feel like there's mm. this under, they're two, again, very strong characters that I don't think would be working together. I could see her working with, um, with what's his name? Ross? Yes, with Ross. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one thing about this character in the comics is it's not like a very well-known character, but she, she there's a couple things she does. She at one point is in a romantic relationship with Nick Fury. Her parents at one point were scrolls, like sleeper cells. She one time was like a triple agent scroll. She also at one point becomes Madame Hydra. In the comics, she also at one point leads a group called the Fem Force, which is a group of females that fight, which is actually led actually by Sharon Carter, but she is also in it. So there are a lot of things that could set up her for the future. I do kind of, though, I'm 
on the same boat of you. I think what makes sense for her is to have some sort of involvement with the Thunderbolts or recruitment of that team. I mean, the Hydra ties, that's interesting. I just don't really, I, I don't know if they want to go back to Hydra so quickly. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like Hydra's been done. I feel like we've done that. I don't think we would continue to do it. I feel like Zemo was like our last tie to all things Hydra, but I feel like, I feel like there, since we are building a new phase, I feel like it's going to go forward. And I feel like Nick Fury will have some sort of connection to her, but I don't know because I feel like she's like almost like a female Nick Fury, kind of in her vibe that yeah. she gave off, her the kind of humor, the kind of conversation and directness, yeah. and the fact that she knows so much. Yeah, the, the how she knows the stuff about Walker is fascinating. I I just have no idea. Um, maybe it's something we'll never know, but we'll see. Um, let's go to the next scene. It's a scene with my favorite group, the Flag Smashers. Uh, <laughs> They see the places that have helped them be raided and shut down by the GRC. Carly gets very angry. She mentions how many people have to die to be citizens of this planet. She mentions how the movement is ready and it's time. I would like to say something. I have never cared less for a group in, I think, the history of Marvel product. I think the, the Dark Elves from Thor the Dark World like make like are a hundred times better than the flag smashers. That's how bad the flag smashers are to me. I got to say, I think Carly, it, it's awful. Every scene she's in, I, I can't handle it. I think it's just terrible. I actually think like, I do not give a fuck about the flag smashers. I actually dislike the flag smashers so much and like how boring they are that I want John Walker to go like beat them. That's how much it's for me. It's like, I don't want him to kill them all. Just put them in jail. Get them away. They're so annoying with their stupid app and the way people come around. It. And I just think Carly is such a poorly developed character and one that, I mean, maybe it's effective because I'm, I am rooting against her harder than like any that's, I will be satisfied with this show. If she loses, I want her no future thing in the MCU. I want no connection to Captain America and all this stuff. I want this to be the end. Like they've joked about, oh, you remind me of Captain America. If she ever touches the real Captain America shield, I will, I will riot. She needs this one and done, done with Carly Morgenthau. Never see her again. Flag smashers. Hopefully, they accidentally all blow up. Boom. That is my rant. The worst. <laughs> You know, it's a shame that you don't tell us how you really feel about the Black Smash. You know, <laughs> that's unfortunate that we're kind of left to open interpretation. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to sound like an echo back to it, but honestly, when that stuff happens, like it just slows everything just down. Sucks. And it's Dark Elves. That was quite the callback because that's, I mean, they're going to have their moment, I guess, in Loki or something. They're supposed yeah. to be coming back. But Dark Elves, wow, that's... Yeah, I don't think there's anything. No, I can't think of anything that I care about less than the Flag Smashers. I mean, the fa the Flag Smashers make Hayward from WandaVision look like freaking Thanos. Yeah, I would watch his scenes again over the yeah. Flag Smashers. They're just, I know there's maybe been some rewrites, but I just, even apart from that, it doesn't work for me. The dynamic of them, it... I just, I mean, and again, maybe that's the show being successful because I, I just really want them to lose. And I really, 
I just really don't want to ever see Carly Morgenthau again. I just, and not just her, all of them. So I guess I'm just repeating myself. So boo the Flag Smashers. I'm incredibly anti-Flag Smasher. Um, let's go to the next thing. The actual, a real good villain we can talk about here. You got Zemo and Bucky at the Sokovian Monument slash Memorial to the, obviously the Battle of like, Ultron, what happened there. Um, Bucky acts like he's going to shoot Zemo. And so we get this whole thing of him pulling the trigger but he doesn't have the bullets in the gun and he lets the Dora Milaje take him to the raft again Thunderbolts Easter egg like you mentioned in the notes um, and two things are uh, important for me about this one this is Bucky showing Zemo he isn't the Winter Soldier anymore like, he's not just going to come kill and Zemo I, I think totally thought Bucky was going to kill him and was accepting of it and that I think is a big moment for Bucky to prove that Zemo Tells him that he crossed out his name in Bucky's book journal, and they say their farewells uh, before Zemo does warn about Carly one more time to Bucky. What did you think of that whole interaction between the two of them? And then we'll get into the Dora Milaje. I think the one word that comes to mind is growth. I feel, again, it's got the growth that Bucky's gone through. It's it's showing that he could have, he didn't, he defied the expectation. I see the respect that was kind of hinted about in episode I want to say that Zemo kind of has towards towards Bucky. I feel like again it shows that at the end of the day, the what was amplified in Bucky was Steve's best friend. It wasn't the Winter Soldier that was amplified. Mm-hmm. It was the best friend. He, Winter Soldier was created, so that he's never been that. And I think that, that scene awesome. really showed how he's broken so far from it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and still some progress to go, but definitely from the beginning of this series, you're 100 percent right. Um, and then we get um, with the Dora Milaje tell Bucky Ao is her name, correct? Correct. Um, and she tells Bucky to stay away from Wakanda for a bit. Again, calls him the White Wolf, which I like, um, and because obviously Wakandans probably aren't too pleased that he helped break out the dude who killed T'Chaka, but it'll blow over. We're presumed to think. And then, but before she goes, he asks um, for a favor. From the Dormelage for Sam. So we'll see that towards the end of the episode. Um, and now, uh, let's go to Baltimore. We have uh, Sam going to visit Isaiah Bradley. Very emotional scenes we got coming up here. Uh, Sam walks into Isaiah's backyard where he's watering some plants. Isaiah immediately does not want Sam to uncover the shield. It doesn't mean things. It doesn't mean what it means to Sam to uh isaiah bradley uh sam wants to understand why isaiah bradley feels this way he keeps asking isaiah what went wrong and so we get some answers from isaiah which are pretty heartbreaking um we find out that a handful of black men were shot up with different versions of the super soldier serum like they thought they were getting like a tetanus shot or some stuff like that which is incredibly fucked up um and then so many of them died just from that. But uh, all the other people that were in the Super Soldier Serum program were captured in a POV camp, except Isaiah Bradley. And the U.S. government was essentially going to blow up the POV camp to hide the evidence of what they did with the Super Soldier Serum, like the testing with the Super Soldier Serum. Um, and then Bradley, in a baller moment, he goes and saves them all. And um, unfortunately, they still all died eventually because of uh, – complications from the super soldier serum like trials they took um and he went to uh, he went to jail for that and uh you just made a good point like it's interesting parallel to john walker walking free like what we just saw so uh what did you think of that initial the the stories of uh isaiah bradley back in the day rescuing uh his fellow soldiers i thought it was I feel like it, it was when it was going into it, I was a little concerned that it was going to slow the pacing down. 
but I felt like it was really necessary world building in a way the Flag Smashers is not necessary world building. I felt oh, yeah. like this really, and it did so well again what Marvel does about commenting on society outside of the MCU through, which is what comic books do. They comment on the world around them yep. through this lens of superheroes and things that are... Especially Captain you know, America. Exactly, which is, yeah, I see that people get like upset that, oh, this show is getting too political, and it's like, do you not know what, what, what this yeah. is supposed to be? Like, Yeah, because I'm not one that loves to see, I don't know, politics in like common things but this is like to me the complaints about it, it's like it's literally called captain america it's the most political superhero of all time in the 1940s it was a giant controversy when captain america like flipped off hitler or something or did something to hitler hit punched hitler in the face in the comics like that's he's always been somewhat controversial in that way and i think if you're telling the story of sam taking the mantle it would feel pretty hollow if you don't bring this stuff up yeah, and it's done, and it's done so well too. It's in such a nuanced way that you're not really thinking about it until later. You're like, oh wait, that's actually a bigger discussion. And I liked that they brought it up. This very heartbreaking story that Isaiah's gone through, and how he's dealing with this, and then how it's going to impact Sam, and then how Sam's choosing to use that in a way mm -hmm. that's different than Isaiah. Yeah, definitely. And so um, so uh, we find out some more stuff. Basically, his, he was unable to get any of the letters his wife sent him. They told him her she was dead, um, and he she ended up dying while he was in prison. They experimented on Bradley for the next 30 years. So that, I think, is a combination of the U.S. government, Hydra, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, try, they're trying to figure out how the serum, why the serum worked for him. Um, and then eventually a nurse took pity upon uh, Isaiah Bradley. It's about fucking time. And wrote some fake reports and declared Bradley dead so he could escape. She gave him all the letters from his wife that were kept from him. And that's how he got to basically where he is today. And so obviously some more heartbreaking stuff with that. And then Sam, though, is kind of like he wants to do something to expose this corruption, this malpractice, this evilness that happened to Isaiah Bradley. But Isaiah has no interest in that. He says that he would be dead in a day. They do not want this getting out there. And um, I think that's true from what we've seen of how the government works in the MCU uh, and in I, real life, definitely. Um, obviously. So um, what did you think of Sam's desire to do something about this to compared to Isaiah's reluctance? If that's the right word. No, that's a great word. That's a great Scrabble word. Um, I feel like that's again speaking to why he's supposed to be Captain America like it's like and I get that it, the show is also in a sense doing the same thing of preparing the outside MCU world that are not diehard fans like you and I for Sam taking on the Captain America mantle because there are mm -hmm. going to be people that are like why and yeah. it's like, and like it happened point. in the 1980s so it's like go it's read the comic happen. books <laughs> and so it's like it's so cool to see that again you're getting to see what these shows do so well on Disney Plus is they're expanding the story they're letting these characters breathe in a way that they haven't been able to on screen and I think that had they not done this show on Disney Plus I'm not sure how they would have transitioned from Steve Rogers to Sam taking on the shield with another movie like I don't think it would have yeah. made as sense in like here's two hours it's done as opposed to here's six hours over six weeks absolutely and grow with the character yeah and i mean it the other thing like i would understand maybe if you were getting mad 
that Falcon just becomes Captain America if one, we didn't get Steve Rogers' story, really, if we got like one movie of it, or two, Steve Rogers was still alive. But one, we got like what? He was in six or seven movies. We got the full Steve Rogers story, and he's still available to us via flashbacks in the future. We're not sure. And he's dead or he's not around. So it's not like Sam is being chosen over Steve. It's and they and like we mentioned on an episode, I think a couple times ago, they've set up Sam since the moment he was in the MCU to be the heir to Steve Rogers and Captain America. And this show is kind of just making that point of when you go back and watch some of the stuff, you see that they've been laying the groundwork for this. So um, but Sam has to deal with the like a, a big hypothetical or not really a hypothetical, a big question that's going to weigh on his mind for the rest of the episode. And this is what uh, Isaiah tells Sam that they will never let a black man be Captain America. And then he doubles down and says that no self-respecting black man would ever want to be Captain America. So that's the choice. That's the mental dilemma. That's what's going on in Sam's head as he now he heads back home to uh, Georgia, Louisiana. Louisiana. Louisiana to yeah. his family. That's what he is grappling with in his head of whether or not what to do with this shield. Um, what did you think about that? I like, again, I, it's interesting how this kind of, again, speaking of WandaVision, it's like this, you go back to your family because the Avengers technically is their family, but then they go back to like their true roots or in WandaVision where she was trying to create her family in order to find sanctuary, he's going to what was his original sanctuary, his home. He's going yep. back to what is familiar, his sister, his nephews, and to what what was originally known to him before he was flying, before Thanos, before everything. What he knew was the boat, his sister, mm -hmm. that his comfort. Nephews. Yeah, one hundred percent. So I really like this next couple of scenes we get. We find out um, we're back in Louisiana with the nephews, with Sarah his sister and we find out the buyer backed out of buying the boat because the boat was so messed up it was going to cost more money to fix it and so it wasn't going to be worth it um and sam tells sarah he's trying to figure out what this all means regarding isaiah bradley and the question we just talked about what he's grappling with um but he also says he's going to fix the boat and he sees sarah send the kids to school with lunch for one of the some of the other children and this sparks a light bulb in sam's head about how he realizes that's the same way his parents were. They're always doing favors for people in the community and always just very generous people. And so he calls in some favors. And we get a great montage of showing how much people like Sam's parents and Sam himself as he asks for a little help of fixing up this boat, which I just really liked seeing the whole community come together to help Sam. What about you? Yeah, I think it speaks again to Sam's character. I think it speaks to effective world building in a sense again it's showing us the world that even these people that were affected by the blip they're not going off and becoming flag smashers they're instead turning around and helping one another so great point it's another parallel to the awfulness that is the flag smashers thank you thank you and in a great moment we have uh so they got some big is it an engine a generator like an engine or an, yeah or generate maybe yeah, something like thing. that i don't know i don't know uh, we're not a technical podcast here. Uh, <laughs> this giant thing is in the back of a pickup truck that some of Sam's uh, friends, uh, people in the community, and Sam's like, how are we going to get this out of the truck? And we see none other than the white wolf, Bucky, James Bucky Barnes himself. He lifts the box off the truck, and um, he shows up. He says he has a box for Sam from Wakanda, which we obviously believe will be his new Captain America suit. We unfortunately don't get to see it this episode, but oh well. 
Um, and then we see Bucky. Fit, I thought this was really funny. Like a pipe busts on the uh, the deck of the boat or something, and Bucky goes to fix it, and he fixes it with his regular hand. And Sam's like, "Why didn't you use your metal arm?" And Bucky goes, "I'm right-handed, and I, it doesn't know. I sometimes I forget." It's, I, and that I feel like is so freaking relatable. Just for I don't know. Like if I was thinking about it, if I'm right-handed, right? If I were to some reason get a le- my left hand would be vibranium for some reason, it naturally I would still use my right hand and you'd have to catch yourself. So I just thought that that was funny. That was um, a great moment. It really, hum- again, humanizes him, his humor. Just it mm-hmm. just is because if you think back to when we first met Bucky, it was like not a robot. cold yeah. robot. And like now it's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and then we get Bucky offers to help with the boat. And we get a great montage of Sam and Bucky working on the boat. Then we basically get a Heineken commercial in the middle of the episode as they cheers. Um, and then Bucky's telling Sam he's got a hotel and a flight. And Sam's like, no, dude, you're going to stay with me as long as you don't flirt with my sister. The way Anthony Mackie delivers that is always so funny. And then um, we're going to get a flash forward here now, Peter, to or not flash forward, but just jump somewhere else. And we're going to go John Walker's talking with Lamar's family. And lying. Lying. Yeah, this is tough. This is tough for John Walker. He tells him that the dude he killed was the one who killed Lamar. And we find out from Lamar's mom how much Lamar loved John and what an honor it was to work with him and how happy he was that he was named Captain America. And we just get this heartbreaking moment from Lamar's mom where he tells John Walker that she knows he's resting easier knowing that the man who did this got his justice, which is just not true. No, at no, all nope a- anything on this scene i mean it does uh, show at one point he was respected like a lot i think what stood out to me with that scene it's gonna sound so so dumb but so uh, he really looked like his dad kurt russell in that scene i felt <laughs> like i feel like the angrier when he gets angry it really seems like kurt russell who's been in yeah. the mcu which is yeah, pretty ego. funny but i just yeah it's it's hard with it i mean he wants to do the right thing, but he's. I think he's, like I said, further far gone than Garley. Oh, yeah. I think eh, they're, they're in a competition. We'll see what happens in this next episode. Carly, I think, ha- Carly, I think, is in general more of a bad person. But I think that John Walker is off the reservation. So it's like... <laughs> it's a good analogy. Happen. Um, and so now let's get... Things are going to get fucking weird. We see Sharon Carter call Batrock and tell him basically she can give him double this time for a job. This time. And it's just like, oh, fuck. What is... And we still... We don't... Sharon Carter, we're going to talk about this in a little, but what is going on there? We'll we'll put that off until we see what Batrock's goal is. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, we go to... Uh, Sam and Bucky, they start throwing the Frisbee, the shield around, and they're talking about the legacy of the shield. Bucky apologizes to Sam... Because he says, like, Stephen and him didn't know the ramifications of how Sam would feel about getting the shield with the history, with the Isaiah Bradley, and with all this stuff. Um, And Bucky says that the reason he was so mad is because the shield is the closest thing he has left for family. And when Sam retired it, he felt like he had nothing left. What did you think of that from Bucky right there? I think, again, it speaks to episode one, episode two, where he says if Steve was wrong about you then he was wrong about me he's been mm-hmm. so lost and been so programmed for so long that he's found his validation in uh, in people and in the shield which again Sam will speak to in a minute but 
I think, again, it shows to he hasn't thought he has had a family other than Steve. Like, this mm-hmm. is literally a more, it's a parallel man out of time story to Steve, who was basically celebrated and accepted when he came back instead of feared and yeah controlled. Mm-hmm. And I thought a cool thing about this episode was, because um, you're right, Bucky has no one besides Steve, and now Steve's gone. The relationship between Sam and Bucky is really, they keep joking about how they're not partners or anything, but they are becoming friends. What Bucky does for Sam coming to help fix the boat means a lot to him. And I think that we'll see that more so going down, that these two will have each other, that Bucky will not have to feel alone. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Like you mentioned, Bucky or Sam tells Bucky, like, Steve's gone, bro. And you got to stop looking for other people to tell him who you are. And Bucky thinks and this is heartbreaking, too, because he still thinks the part of the Winter Soldier is in him. Because he can remember it. And Sam gives him tough love and tells him, you got to do the work. You've just been avenging. You haven't been making amends. And so he does encourage him to make amends with someone who we know will be Yuri from the first episode. The man who Bucky, when he was the Winter Soldier, killed his son. And so... uh I thought that was powerful. And then so Bucky's going to leave and Sam says he'll call him when he has a lead on the Flag Smashers. Uh, What was your thoughts on that whole uh, the pep talk there that Sam gave Bucky at the end? I think it's I think what it it speaks to this episode as a larger picture as well. This really is setting up what is going to happen in episode six, where I'm sure they're going to work together phenomenally. And it's setting up together. They are going to be partners. And it shows again that they I think that him coming to Louisiana was such a pivotal moment in this series from, again, when we go back to episode one, how they they were not gelling at all. And I feel like we've come to the point where this pep talk is helping, but it's going to help Bucky as well do something that's going to help him heal. And I think that they both are helping one another, whether they know it or not, and really create this team that is going to be really impactful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the more and more, especially in this episode, the season goes on, there really feels like there's going to be another season of this where we'll see this continue to grow. Um, and so we go now to the boat. They're about to do the finishing touches on it, and Sam's sister tells Sam, like, we're not selling the boat. It means too much to their family and their history. And this kind of, like, Sam uses this to kind of, like, liken it to the shield and says, "I'm basically, he's going to be Cap, and he's going to keep fighting. And we get Sam go full Rocky mode, and he trains with the shield. He works out a ton. He becomes jacked by just doing push-ups and running around. Told you it were that easy. Yeah, and he's doing some weird flips with the shield, getting ready to know how to to really huck that Frisbee around. What did you think of the Rocky scene? (laughs) I liked it. I felt like it's, you know, I think every superhero, a good superhero movie has that montage moment. And I felt like it was it was dope. I loved that it's also showed how he's gonna be a little bit different than Steve with those specific flips and how he was mm-hmm. doing things. And again, it shows this is a normal person that is adopting the shield. He's not a super soldier. He's not he doesn't have anything other than himself to become this character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so now things are gonna get weird. Batrock is gonna meet up with the stupid flag smashers, and he comes with weapons and stuff. And the Flag Smashers, what they want to do is they want to stop the GRC vote, which would send millions of refugees from the snap back to their original countries. Um, Patrock does not give a shit about the GRC vote. He just wants to kill Falcon. So 
Sharon Carter is sending Batrock to kill the Falcon. Like, I know we've been thinking she's sketchy the whole time, but that just smacked us in the face. What? Like, she's not only sending, like, maybe to do bad things and steal, but to kill? What is going on, Peter? I was rooting for Sharon. I wanted Sharon to be a good guy. I was really rooting for that. I was hopeful. I was optimistic. I was dumb. Um, I honestly... I mean, I get that she's obviously gone through... She's been blamed for things by the government. Mm-hmm. Her, her, She shared... She kissed Steve Rogers once, and then he does a separate timeline. And One of the weirdest, and her weirdest moments of all time. So, and it's like... I get that... I mean, I think it's from a... I can't even speak because it's just such a frustrating... I think it's a great character reboot because we did not see this coming from... The mm-hmm. previous appearances in the MCU, I think it's like, how what's wrong with you, Sharon? In a good in a good way, you know. I feel yeah. like storytelling wise, this is genius. As a, you watch these characters, you're like, why are you making these decisions? How could you go mm-hmm. after Steve's best friend? I honestly feel like he's gonna get her the pardon, and then we're gonna be like, surprise! I'm the power broker, and you just pardoned this big bad. You're welcome. Oh. I mean, yeah, I, I'm at the point with this where it's just I've been hit over the head so many times with Sharon Carter sketchy, Sharon Carter sketchy, Sharon Carter sketchy to the point where it's like we find out she's behind the, the shit that happens in episode one, the whole like flying uh, battle they had. Yes. So now I'm like, it would be kind of annoying if it's just like, oh, JK, I was just a triple Working. agent or JK, I'm a scroll. Ugh, that would suck. I, if it's a scroll, scroll, that's when I'll riot. I will not tolerate. Squ- I will sa- save the scrolls for secret invasions. Save it for them. I will not tolerate it here. Yeah, I will. So basically, we've got we've got multiple reasons to riot in the next episode if yeah. things don't go the way they're supposed to go. And turn into the flag smashers ourselves. Oh shit! <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I want. I don't want this to be another quicksilver thing i don't i'm worried i'm worried about sharon and the quicksilver thing because it's just like there's so little information it's just it's like you could do so this would be such a such a great move to make this character suddenly a villain like yeah they need to commit to it don't just tease it and like yeah it's like well then what was the point of all that it i mean they can have a female big bad. Why not? Two. Hella was one, so it's like, yeah, it works. for season two, maybe that they're gonna have it full on. They'll know. I, I don't. If that's I the case, I want know. a teaser that tells me if that's coming. I need something to tell me if that's coming. Mm-hmm. I want. I don't want that to be left up in the air. Yeah. So I, I, I think Sharon Carter's sus, but we'll we'll have to see what exactly is going on. Um. Meanwhile, in the episode, Torres discovers through uh, some data he'd been looking at and tracking that the Flag Smashers are in New York, and Sam tells him he'll take it from here. Um, we're at the GRC committee vote. The main guy's a douche. He's just like really like you know, does not government. care. Yeah, he's like, yeah, there's 20 million people. Uh, they can kick rocks. So, And it's not even the fact that he's just like, maybe he has a reason or if you were to present the reason like hey this is why we can't do this he's just like no i, I got the soldiers ready so it's just like this yeah. guy's a douche we don't uh, have enough resources oh well oh well we have soldiers though 
Um, and uh, the Flag Smashers appear to is it hack the system of some sort? They t- turn out the lights, obviously setting up the big final battle we're going to have around there for the season finale. Um, and then we flash to Sam, who opens the box from Wakanda. One thing. This isn't Pulp Fiction. Just show me the freaking suit. I don't need, like, Quentin Tarantino and Pulp Fiction can hide stuff from me like that. That's fine. This is Falcon the Winter Soldier Episode 5. Show me the new Captain America suit. It's, I mean, it's just frustrating. Like, show it at the end. I don't know. I thought that would have been fine. Um, and we do get a post credit scene, Peter. We get John Walker creating his own shield, his knockoff uh, Big Lots version shield. No, no, I like Big Lots. I invested them. Uh, let's go... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Kmart, Kmart version of his shield. Um, and he actually engraves in his medal of honor, but he is, uh, I was, when this first started, I was like, oh, is he going to make the shield a little different than Captain America's? But besides the medal of honor thing, it looks exactly like the, or like is trying to be what the Captain America shield looks like. And obviously the, the sound of him pounding the hammer is an obvious callback to Tony Stark building the Iron Man suit in a cave with a box of scraps. So what did you think about um, that, that post credit scene with John Walker? Um, let's find the right words. Not thrilled. I mean, it's like, let it go, like move on with your life. Like, and it's, I think, I think it's great parallel. Again, this episode had a lot of parallels. It's a frustrating parallel because it's like, first you, you use the shield in a way that's not great. That, which is a, an offense to Steve. And now you're basically trying to create your own makeshift shield, in, which is another diss to Tony. It's like, you don't get to do this. You're like literally a super soldier who has no allegiance. And you still, there should have been a drinking game. I take a shot every time he says that he's Captain America, like through the series, because he can't let that go. Like He can't. He's and just, my uh, thought with it, though, is like, we obviously don't know what type of metal he's using, but... Theoretically, let's say it's if we rule out it's not vibranium and it's not adamantium, which is Wolverine. Um, like theoretically, Peter, isn't if he just throws this shield at the like at a Carly or a Bucky, couldn't they just bend it and break it if it's not one of those two things? Like what what metal alloy or whatever the fuck it is could besides vibranium? In adamantium, which as far as we know, I don't know how John Walker would have either of those in his garage. Wouldn't theoretically a super soldier just like break it in half or right? Well, in one of the trailers, Carly, he throws it at Carly and she kicks it as if it's nothing. So that may explain to that yeah, unless Val gives him vibranium or something that's going to be like, here's use this to make your shield. Yeah, that's a that is interesting. That is interesting because um Maybe, yeah, maybe Val did give him that, and so that shield's more legit than we think, because maybe Val has all these resources we don't know. Um, I mean, obviously, this is setting up for the finale. We got the Flag Smashers attacking the GRC. We got John Walker, who's going to go. He's going after Carly. He is going after Carly, because he wants to take care of... He lied to Lamar's parents and all that, but he wants to... He knows deep down he needs to kill Carly if that were to be true. So that's what I think he will end up doing, or trying to do. And then you obviously will have Sam and Bucky trying to mitigate the situation in a way, stop the Flag Smashers, eliminate deaths and stuff, stop Walker. And then 
I mean, we still, it's like, all right, then what about Sharon Carter and the power broker? How are they going to be involved in this? Is it Batrock? Is Sharon the power broker and she sends Batrock as like a double agent to fuck with Carly? I don't know. I don't think so. It's There's just so many moving parts for this finale. You see what I'm saying? Yes. To that last point, it's interesting because power broker wants the serum from Carly, wants them basically alive, which would make sense why she, she sent Batrock to them, not to kill them, but just to like, here, work with them, but then you're going to screw them over. But then also, one thing that's kind of sticking out in my brain is that, so all this is going to take place in New York. Yeah. So, again, maybe this is just my brain being too practical. Where the fuck's Spider-Man? Where's Spider-Man? Where's Doctor Strange? Um, You know, there is a sanctum there. So it's like, where are they? Or like, what's going on? Why aren't we... So I don't know, do we we ever acknowledge that these other heroes exist in these cities? I don't know. I mean, it just... In my brain, it's just like, why aren't they helping? Why aren't they like, oh, there's this mm-hmm. giant hack. The GRC, where's the best? Or maybe Rhodey's going to show up. That would be cool. I, I would definitely like... I mean, I same thing with WandaVision. It's just, that's the line that Disney and Marvel are going to have to figure out how to do if they have all these stories going on and they boast not... I mean, I they can boast about how it's all connected because they have accomplished that. But once you t- say that so much and you do it so consistently... Well, yeah, it's like if there's a national if there's an attack in New York on like an international body of like senators or whatever it is, Spider-Man sure as hell is going to be there to stop that. And I mean, the thing with Doctor Strange, it's like you can say, oh, maybe he's in some other multiverse dimension dealing with stuff. But you're right, like Spider-Man and Rhodey. Why wouldn't they? Show, yeah. Why wouldn't they show up? I mean, that was what I also though thought in Wandavision a little bit with Falcon and with Hulk and with like a lot of them. It's like, why aren't they doing something here? Like this like has got to be international because news. Because they were in like in New Jersey, they were in this random small town dealing with the situation. I guess. Like I and feel like that kind that of much. gave it a little wiggle room, but yeah. Um, you got any other predictions here for the finale? Um. I, it's hard after WandaVision's predictions where we predicted so much and then nothing happened. It went something else. Um, I want to see the season two. I want to see Sharon as the power broker. Um, I would like to see them work together as a team. I would like to no longer see the Flag Smashers. Yes. I am excited that Zemo is set up for wherever he's going to go, whether it's to Wakanda, maybe Black Panther 2, or maybe it's the Thunderbolts, you know? Yep. I want to see... Yeah, I want to see... I want to have it end where the seven weeks are... The seven weeks in between this and Loki are something that I'm, like, anxiously awaiting the next thing. Mm-hmm. I'd rather, I would really want that. I don't really want closure. I want closure that sets things up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. One thing I will say is I have been liking I've been liking Falcon and the Winter Soldier a, a good amount, and I think with Zemo showing it up and that that got me very excited. Where I was saying, "Oh, this is maybe the best episode ever on Disney Plus." Maybe I don't necessarily agree with that. I do think they're up there. Comparing WandaVision and Cap- and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if Falcon and the Winter Soldier delivers like a, not a perfect, but like an A A minus finale, that's just good and we don't like have a bunch of things that aren't answered that make like there's no the flag smashers are less annoying and they really land it with Sharon and all this stuff I think it has a chance of being better than WandaVision but 
if it just is an eh finale or something, I mean, I think I would choose WandaVision over uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And that's maybe just because the hype with WandaVision was so fun and talking with people about it. Yeah, and I feel like WandaVision, it stuck with you in a, in a way that this one, the second half has done better than the first half of it. Mm-hmm. We've been, there's been more throughout the weeks where you're thinking of random things that come up that um, make sense. But I feel like the WandaVision, again, there was no expectations to begin with. I feel like this is very much, it's a Marvel show. It's a Marvel movie in six parts. Yeah. It's, it's done very, it's traditional. It follows the boxes. It checks things. And I think that but it also kind of thrives off the fact that you don't really, you can do more with these characters because mm-hmm. they're not the big Avengers that you see in that cool, iconic pose of all of them together. It's like you're again able to do more with them, which I think is exciting for the MCU going forward. But again, it is, it's, it's a little bit tricky to land, make those landings hit, mm-hmm. have that superhero landing when you land. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. Um, so with, talking about the future and this stuff so we obviously have the finale of falcon and the winter soldier this week peter and i will be i think we might try and go live on youtube maybe potentially for uh the finale pod so we could get some listener feedback and stuff like that um if not this week we're going to be doing that sometime soon and in the meantime in between uh the end of falcon and the winter soldier and loki we're still going to be doing weekly marvel pods we're going to be talking about a lot of the trailers that have come out recently. So you got like stuff like Loki. Obviously, we'll preview Loki a lot. We'll talk about Shang-Chi. We'll talk about Eternals rumors. And then there is so much stuff to talk about Spider-Man with all these rumors and leaks and Alfred Molina being involved, all this stuff that I think we could dedicate literally a two-hour podcast to just talking about Spider-Man. Obviously, there's stuff about Thor, Love, and Thunder. So, folks, don't worry. We're going to continue giving you your weekly dose of marvel nerd content here on the pineapple couch um peter anything else i'm missing here i think you said it quite well i think that um marvel nerd is quite an accurate way to describe this and i think that you know i'm excited to discuss these things because obviously you and i are texting throughout mm-hmm. the weeks when things are dropping so we can kind of give people an insight into what sorts of random text messages we send yeah. each other when trailers drop when we see leaked photos with that about different stuff on the shows and the movies i think it'll be exciting to kind of talk about that yeah out loud. It, it'll be less uh us just breaking down like quotes in every part of an episode more free-flowing so that'll definitely be fun but we'll also definitely be back right away when loki is going on and um maybe for some other stuff in the future who knows so uh peter always a pleasure talking to you Uh, have a great rest of your week uh thank you for being on thanks for having me look forward to it all right this has been episode 91 of the pineapple couch with b rob we'll see you guys next time